Gary Stridum. Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 21st. Your host this week, myself, Lee and Reed. Hi. We're going uh, We're going remote again this weekend, uh, this week. Uh, how are you enjoying the weather? Oh, it's whatever, I guess. I have underground parking now, so I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, we got a big wet dump of snow last night. Big wet dump uh, all over us. Yeah, it's, it's positively beautiful uh, out there and up and down the residential streets. Uh, but fuck that, let's stay inside and play video games. Uh, do you have any seasonal games you play when it gets colder out? Do you find yourself oh. running to Skyrim? <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, there are games that I am definitely more... Uh, I associate more with winter than I do summer, so those games include, yes, Skyrim is definitely one of them. It's a cozy game, it's kind of a game you play under a blanket. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Um, Metal Gear Solid, I associate with the winter. Um, sure, the, why not? The first and only time I've ever played through, through the entire Metal Gear Solid series was uh, was during Christmas, specifically. So that's pretty neat. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Oh, and, uh, yeah, the, and for the past was... three Christmases, like every year since I've been dating my girlfriend, actually, um, every Christmas I play KOTAR on my computer, whether it's KOTAR 1 or KOTAR 2, but I end up playing KOTAR. Sure. Yeah. I like the uh, I like the ones that are specific to a person, where it's just like, yeah, this time of year, uh, you know, I play through all of Super Mario World. Uh, hey, Veterans Day rolls around, and you, you I'll be playing Link's Awakening. Uh, I always find a lot of people tend to uh, move inside to the longer, uh, longer form games during the winter months. So like your longer RPGs and stuff, I think get a little more play in the colder months of the year. Because uh, when it's when it's summer out, you don't want to be sitting there playing an eighty-hour game. You want to play a little action well, I mean, something or speak other. Speak for then, yourself. Fuck. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, fuck. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but uh, Animal Crossing for me is in the fall is uh, is extra special. And then fucking Skyrim, it's real, man. Once it gets cold outside, you're just like, I want to wander around and kill bears, but in a, in the safety of my own home under a blanket, as Reed says. Yes. What uh, What have you been playing? Uh, I'm still playing Human Revolution. Um, as I was telling you this morning, Human Revolution is a fucking trip to play, man. It's yeah, especially when the game is being told to you like Memento and jumping around to random, random points. It is okay. Well, actually, I've since fixed the issue. Okay. So I I was like, okay, I have to play from this future point, right? So I I started playing from it, and when I got to the next loading screen, and that it told me back to insert disc one. So then I put mm-hmm. disc one, and it would shoot me ahead to the later point of the first mission I started, just at the end of the mission with guns I've never had before. So okay. it's still that it's, makes sense. It's still weird, like in the sense that I don't have the I never chose these guns. I chose non-lethal, I know, and I never, have like a fucking. Would you say you never asked for this? <laughs> yeah, I never asked for this, and it gave me it anyway. But <laughs> since then, everything's been working um, relatively normally, except for the odd time. My Xbox 360 won't even detect the disc. I think there's a it's fucking a, problem here. Uh, it's a big ask to be able to play through a game in the order in which it's intended. I know, like, <laughs> it sounds like a, there's some kind of save glitch. Like it's it's cloud downloading someone else's save and jumbling it with yours. Or there's some like hex value that's like incorrect. Like yeah. I, it's, that's so bizarre. I've uh, never heard of that. Before. Yeah, it's it's super fucking weird. Um, going through the game, it, it's a trip, man. It's it's such an Xbox 360 game from 2012, and I don't know how else to describe it. The graphics, what the fuck does that mean? The graphics are <laughs> in that awkward point when they weren't good yet on the 360, and 
they were like a, like they're beyond like the PS2 point where PS2 games had to be stylish. So this is a game that's going for a realistic approach, but it looks like absolute dog shit. The only character model that looks good in the game is Adam Jensen. The only voice actor who's good in the game is Adam Jensen. Uh, the game's based in Detroit, and you would swear you're in California because half the voice actors have surfer bro accents. It's fucking ridiculous. Bunch of Matt Riddles running around in the future. Yeah, um, it has that 2012 game problem where there's there's no subtlety or approach to your story. It's like two seconds in, bam, explosions, things are happening. You're not even fucking asking questions, barely. You're just doing things. Um, like... The inciting incident, that was a lot of like how narrative games went, is if they wanted to have a slow build, they would have to have some kind of inciting incident to start the game. So they start with fireworks, and then they dial it back and start telling the story. When you already know there's an Illuminati, and like who's responsible for everything. It's like a Columbo episode. Right, yeah, uh, and that's what I was telling you this morning, if I can actually find what I said. Um... I think it was more or less what I just said, but uh, you're right. There's like, but But what games have a slow build now? Like, this is... A lot of it's, no, like like fucking God of War, even Last of Us Two, like guess. like yeah. all the. I would say most games since like 2015 have had fairly slower builds into a, in comparison to a game like this, where like five minutes in, you know a huge like you're in the first mission of this game, right? You're like the first mission. Your boss is like, go rescue this prototype weapon from this warehouse. Simple, easy. That's as much as should have been. But while you were there, you've already encountered the enemy, like, human pro-terrorist group. Already one of them has a bunch of augmentation, so they're a bunch of bullshit, and clearly an Illuminati agent. And then you already confront their leader and convince them that there's a conspiracy happening to his group. This is the first fucking hour of the, of the game, Lee. Like... Yeah, hell yeah. These all sounds like <laughs> these all sound like plot points you would experience like ten or twenty hours in after. But to shit on to shit on your point about Last of Us, like to even compare, like look at Last of Us Two, look at the opening hour of that. It gets to the inciting incident. Ghost of Tsushima starts with the big battle that then wanes into. I, I don't know. It's it's. No, I think this but, is where we're at now. But like for I don't know. I, it's just it playing a game back then. Is there's just no subtlety? I guess is what I'm trying to say behind anything. Everything's just. Bang, bang, boom, move quick, let's keep going. Um, the, gra- yeah. the graphics aren't great, but I love the fucking gameplay. Uh, it's a lot more, I want to say, open the man kind of vibe, but you can do a lot dumber things. There's uh, two drug dealers I need to like either knock out or apprehend in some way, but knocking them out, killing them, or shooting them will notify their gang members. So what I did instead was grab a bunch of dumpsters using my heavy upgrade, like I can lift really heavy things. And I made a wall of dumpsters so they couldn't see me. Then I took one more dumpster and I <laughs> threw it at the drug dealers and it killed both of them. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, this game's pretty fucking sweet, actually. Um, uh, yeah. It's- yeah. Like the, the second game, like I, I didn't finish either. Uh, I got a fair ba- ways into each and I'm like, this is more or less a reiteration of the same, same ideas. But yeah, it did, it did feel like it kept some of that randomness uh, from the original game or games. Uh, you know, in in the same way that old GTA missions, sometimes you would have a story like that where you're like, look at how I cheesed this mission, uh, fucking with the physics and stuff like that. Stuff you can't really do anymore because they would just fail the mission. Right. Already, right? There's so. there's so many more cases in Human Revolution as opposed to Mankind Divided where you're like, oh, 
like I have to get through here through a hacking point or through a vent. Whereas human, in Human Revolution, if you're able to stack things on top of one another, you can hop over fences just by you know stacking things, and that's how I've done a lot of stuff. And I think that's a lot more interesting than just the vent or hacking approach of Mankind. That's what divided. makes him the best. He he knows how to stack dumpsters. Right. There's so many dumpsters in the future. If we could only use them. <laughs> and then <laughs> when, uh, uh, Pokemon. Playing- you want to dump like. Do you want to try to go on a tangent on competitive Pokemon right now? That would even lose me, like like by explaining what you've been what you've been doing recently. <laughs> uh, I've been playing yes, lots of competitive Pokemon uh, right now. This season's October first to thirty first. I'm like fourteen and ten in the Great Ball League, rank seven, I think. Um, the problem being that I don't typically follow the meta of competitive Pokemon. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a different competitive player in the sense I like to use favorites, and Pokemon I think are cool, or or different as opposed to meta Pokemon. So like right now everybody's using Urshifu or whatever the fuck that Pokemon's name is. He's yeah, a legendary from the first expansion there. Yeah, he's a legendary fighting whatever type, and it's just uh, like everybody uses that. Everybody uses fucking Azumarill, and everybody uses Togekiss, and everybody uses all these things. Uh, and I find that very boring, so I try to do different things. I'm using Belly, Drum, Citrus Berry, Poliwrath. Uh, right now, I'm what's been doing me great success is Focus Sash, Scolipede. So Scolipede with Focus Sash is, for, no matter what, going to survive at least one turn without weather effects, such as Hail or Sandstorm. During that one specific turn, he's going to spam off Swords Dance to get a plus two to attack. With his hidden ability speed boost, it's also going to get a free speed boost at the end of every turn. So that's a, that's a plus one speed, plus two attack after the first turn. With Skullpeed's base 110 speed, that's with one boost to speed, it's pretty much going to outspeed everything in the game. And unless their defenses are really high or resist it, you're pretty much going to one-shot everything from this point out. The glaring problem with this strategy of course being that your enemy has priority some of your enemies might have priority moves which will take over my particular scolipede build which is sword dance earthquake megahorn and poison jab more or less though that's been absolutely doing me the trick gudra is my mascot pokemon you could say i run a Fest <laughs> gudra with fire blast thunderbolt draco meteor and uh sludge wave my reasoning behind this Sludge Wave, obviously for any fairy types you encounter, but also you can Dynamax into Sludge Wave to max ooze, which gives you a plus one to special attack for each attack you get off. And I find about half the time people switch in switch in a fairy type into my Gudra, assuming I'm going to be spamming off a dragon type attack. When in, yeah. see, when, the, when all I actually want to do with that is just boost my special attack, so they end up getting hit by my Sludge Wave max ooze, and they fucking die anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I, fucking gross, dude. Yeah, it's almost a detriment <laughs> for me not to bring in Gudra to all my competitive ranked matches. Uh, I'm starting to only play ranked with serious Pokemon, and I'll do casual or link battles with fucking ridiculous ones. Um, man, the, med- the meta for Sword and Shield is so much different from the last few years I've played. Uh, it, it It's... Like compared to Sword itself, or compared to other games? Compa- no, compared to other Pokemon games, everything. Yeah, like, well, obviously, a game can <laughs> s- like will swing one way or the other depending on when you Dynamax, and that almost seems like the most uh, crucial thing right now is just when are you Dynamaxing and who are you Dynamaxing with? I thought Dynamaxing was uh, banned from ranked play. Uh, in ranked play, no. Huh. Well, maybe in right. in maybe in like Smogon singles. 
6v6. I believe it might be banned, but as far as just regular Pokemon Sword Battle Stadium ranked is concerned, absolutely is allowed. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, they did do some changes. So, like, Max Knuckle won't give you, uh, has a lot lower base power, but still gives you the plus one attack. Uh, man, uh, some other dirty strategies is Poltergeist with Shell Smash and uh, Baton Pass. And man, so one time, I fuck, I, I'm gonna get one more thing out of the way. I lead, <laughs> I lead with Poltergeist with weakness policy. Okay. Yeah. They lead with um, like like some dark type with pursuit. They assume I'm gonna switch out, but I actually do Shell Smash. So I get Shell uh, Smash plus two speeds plus two special attack. Uh, and plus two attack. Then they hit me with the weakened move, so my weakness policy occurs. Boom, another two to plus special attack. Baton pass into Conkelder. Conkelder now has plus four attack, plus two speed. Also, this Conkelder is with Guts and Flame Orb. So, boom, my turn happened. Conkelder is one shot and everything. Absolute fucking sweep a team. Um, uh, Conkeldor is uh, one of my favorite. He, he was a black. I think Pokemon Black and White, like Gen Five. Correct. I uh, I really liked him as like a new age Machamp. Conkeldor <laughs> is one of the best Pokemon in the game right now, and he's a state. He's, he's a yeah. staple of the Pokemon VGCs too. Even um, it's really hard to talk about competitive. Man, a lot of that was going to go over a lot of people's heads if they don't know anything about competitive Pokemon. But um, yeah, fuck them. No, I yeah, like I'm 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 following what you're saying there. I like I'm curious about the meta changing with each expansion as they add more backlogs of Pokemon where people already have. You know, the the issue there is then you have all these competitive Pokemon from previous games that now have moves that don't exist or, or are built around those moves that don't exist right, and actually, they kind of they, become useless. They've made that yeah. really easy actually. So I had a lot of Pokemon I transfer over from Sword and Shield uh, from Sun and Moon to um, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon to Sword and Shield recently. Um such as my unaware Quagsire, which is unfucking believable, by the way. Um, <laughs> but they'll have just like a triangle symbol on them, and all you have to do is bring them to a dude at the battle tower, and he'll be like, "Hey, do you want to register a Pokemon for online play?" And he'll be like, "Hell yeah!" And he'll be like, "Great!" And he'll take your Pokemon, and he will erase their four moves, and be like, "Kit, you're good to go." You just have to reteach him new moves. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I know you can. I can overwrite that move, but yeah. Whatever. So that's uh, that's nice. Um, yeah, it's. Like I said, it's, nice. it's hard to talk about competitive Pokemon if you're not super familiar with it. Um, hopefully that ain't... So like, when it comes... Like, I'm more interested in the expansions as as you are the only person I still know regularly playing those Pokemon games is that instead of doing a third version, a Pokemon gun, if you will, uh, they're doing these expansions. Uh, so the first one added an area, added a story, added a legendary in the form of that fighting Pokemon that you're constantly right. fucking having to deal with. Uh, and then... The, this next one seems to be, yeah, we're going to include a bunch more Pokemon, but the emphasis of the story and the region will be about legendaries, which competitive players don't really give a shit about anyways. We right. talked about this at length last episode. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem like the expansions are, are selling gangbusters. It doesn't seem like they are adding stuff to the base game that people are interested in, especially because all those extra Pokemon are being added for free. Right. Like I, don't in an to, update. I, I don't need to buy the expansion because I'm catching them all in fucking raids anyway. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Could you imagine... If the only way for you to transfer those Pokemon in or have access to them was to be to buy the expansion, oh, I, do you think that was a conversation at Game Freak? <laughs> oh, absolutely, it was, and I'd be kind of pissed about that personally. Um, yeah, it, like if I had my way, I'd have a pure competitive game format. Um, I don't. I'm a little. I'm besides the fact that I don't use typical meta Pokemon. I'm also weird in the fact that I prefer to hard breed. All of my Pokemon, as opposed yeah. as opposed to uh, using a site like PokemonHat.com or whatever the fuck, where you basically you can just like 
make your perfect bread Pokemon in two seconds and upload to your Switch and you're done. <laughs> it's Giovanni's dream, man. Right. Yeah, the, there's the... like, in the end, there will be no difference between their hacked Pokemon and my Pokemon as far as stats and everything are concerned. Um, yeah. I just, I, I think the game's a lot more fun and you get a bigger sense of accomplishment out of it when, uh, you know, you spend however many hours perfecting this Pokemon and then it wins you matches. It's a good feeling. Yeah, when uh, when Gen 4 was around, uh, it became really popular to use something called PokeSav online. Uh, you'd see pop, like threads pop up on 4chan all the time of people who were really good at doing it. And it would just be like, hey, name a Pokemon, uh, name what you want. Do you care what its moves are? What stats do you want? And people were just making, generating these fake Pokemon and then trading them into your game. And I, I still have a Tranitar. Uh, I achieved this way and he's like he's impossible stats actually you couldn't actually use him in on competition because it, like your, your Tranitar's fake, fake bra uh, but the, the, these were rampant around that time and uh, right. so it doesn't seem as popular subsequently because it's no, so there's, easy you know how many fucking shiny Cinderace hidden ability Cinderaces are hinting about by the way <laughs> hidden ability Cinderace fuck that shit they have that ability where they can turn into whatever type for whatever use they're currently moving they're using yeah. sorry. So if they're gonna fucking Dynamax into Max Tailwind, they'll just turn into a flying type. All of a sudden, they're not weak to whatever you're gonna hit it with, and they're gonna one shot you. It's it's right now as far as Smogan's concerned in Ubers, which is like the likes of fucking Mewtwo and like all these legendaries that you can't even fucking use in regular competition. Uh, so yeah, fuck Cinderace and fuck you if you use Cinderace, you piece of shit. Listen, let's let's stop talking about Pokemon before we talk about Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I beat my first run of Hades. I, I beat. I didn't beat the game. There's 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 more to it. There's more game. Uh, so I kind of mentioned that there's there's some story elements, uh, and they they do get flushed out a little more at the end of the game. Uh, you are Zagreus, Hades' son, as I've mentioned. You are raised to think uh, someone is your mother, and they are not. Uh, Persephone is actually you. F- fight your way out of hell uh, through through Tartarus, uh, through through the you know the Temple of Sticks and stuff like that. You fight your dad on the front lawn of hell. Uh, he's got two forms, which I more or less anticipated, but I was running such a good build that I just fucking steamrolled this guy, and. Uh, you're just you're about to like he's like okay well i guess i can't fucking stop you go uh go see your mom or whatever and he's like when you see her and he like pauses for a second and it's like the first time hades has shown any like the whole time he's just like you you can't leave here your soul is bound to to hell uh over my dead body will you actually get get to olympia and 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 see these people but at the very end here when you've defeated him for the first time he's like hey tell her that uh and he kind of stammers and he's like tell her cerberus is all right and you're like uh okay uh, you find your mother and you learn that, uh, spoilers, that she thought you were dead. Uh, that she she didn't know you have existed this whole time. And you have a heartfelt, tearful reunion with your mother. And she asks you about Hades and 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 stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, this is this is now going somewhere. Uh, but of course, Zagreus is uh, tied to hell and only has so much time before he is reborn in hell, whether he likes it or not. So you, you basically fade out back to the future style and end up back in Hades. And now it's not about defeating your dad to go meet your mother. Now it's, I need to go through this dungeon every time I want to see my mother and advance this plot. It's very interesting. Uh, and of course, beating the game, you unlock like a, a gambit system almost. So now every time you go into the dungeon, you can actually put further modifiers uh, that will reward you more. 
Uh, there's also a god mode thing that I never engaged with in the options that apparently makes the game a little easier for your first time through. Uh, but now it's kind of like the real Dark Souls begins. Now now I have everything at my, my fingertips. It's about uh, min-maxing, getting through that dungeon as many times as I can. And I'm to understand there is more story beats and then a, a final credits I need to see in this game. But since completing that run, I did kind of back off the gas a little bit with Hades. Because goddamn, was I playing that game for like two hours a night, man. Damn. It's, it's real good. Uh, like, like Nick, who's been on the podcast before, I know he'll love the shit out of this game. Uh, you, I'm not so sure about. Uh, it, like, it has RPG elements, but it is a roguelike. You aren't really progressing your character, but the, the story and the relationships with the other characters and the gameplay just being fucking fun. Uh, I can highly recommend this game to most anyone. And it, it, like, it is difficult, quote-unquote. Uh, like, if you are not good at action slasher games like this... Uh, I could see you banging your head on it a little little longer than I had to to, to clear it the first time, but goddamn, is it rewarding uh, to, to play through? And I'm looking forward to playing more of that. Other than that, I bit the bullet for both of us, and I logged into Avengers. Oh, why? Because <laughs> uh, they updated it, and uh, they added some stuff. Uh, they added these rift missions that we are too underleveled to, to even do. Uh, they added some new, like, bullshit uh, recycled missions. They added a new hub where you talk to Maria Hill, and they added the ability to remotely, from any faction's uh, headquarters, get uh, bounties. So it only took them how many months, uh, but they're all like it's already improving, Reed. You know, in a couple months' time, this game will be Holy this is gonna be number one. Lee, all those things sound like dumb fucking bullshit. That's not gonna make me come back at all. No, yeah, I played one mission and and logged out ten minutes later, and I'm like, nope, nothing, uh, nothing to report There's nothing here. There. But... There's nothing there. There's, there's, it's, it's done. It's a, uh, yeah. It's done. I, and at this point, we're waiting till what, 2021 to see any more, more meaningful content, so. Yeah, like, yeah, you're gonna ask people to wait through the PS5 launch and Cyberpunk to fucking wait for your characters? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, so you can play as Kate Bishop? Yeah, oh, my, oh my <laughs> god, it's Lady Hawkeye. <sighs> hey, I'm most excited to play her. I'm most interested in what Spider-Man looks like in this game, because I imagine he's just going to be like a fucking... I think I've said it before, like a bag of hangers in a, in a dryer compared to his, like, insomniac uh, uh, counterpart. Sure. You seen this Mario Kart Live? Uh, no, I don't really care, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Mario Kart Live dropped last Friday. It's a little hard to find at the moment. There are two carts available. The thing is $129.99 in Canada. And basically you set up four gates. Uh, the game uses like a little GoPro like AR thing. And you play on your Switch, but you are racing a real cart uh, down to when you pick up uh, speed boosts, the cart actually goes faster and stuff like that. It seems neat as hell. And there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of the internet uh, in regards to this game. But I don't know if it has the, the meat to... Like it seems like the rollout... Like, they're putting this out now, but this game will actually reach its its apex in months from now when they release more carts, when it's a little more affordable and easy to find. Uh, it's a really neat idea. It's, it's somewhere between Mario Kart and Labo, and uh, I have not touched it myself, nor nor do am I really interested in... Uh, other than, like, fucking with it, right? Like, making it so that the carts fuck up or we can mess the game up in some way. Like, sure. Uh, or drive the cart at your cat or something like that. You know, make your own fun. As it were. Uh, Blizzard announces uh, that they have cut... If you can't tell by this news right now, it's been a very quiet news week. Uh, Blizzard ends new content uh, and development for StarCraft 2. Uh, if you listen really carefully, you can hear like a bazillion uh, South Koreans cry out. 
Uh, they're going to still uh, support the game and its e-sports e community and all like that, but uh, they did have some other uh, content plan that is now gone. Reed, have you ever messed with the RTS genre? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I fucking love RTSs. Um, my best friend, he's a he's an anomaly. Like He's totally like one of those COD NHL bros, except 98% of his gaming is hardcore RTSs where he's like a platinum-level StarCraft II player. Um, <laughs> like It's like the well, strangest thing. I don't know if you want to break the news to him, but uh, no further content yeah, will be coming. No, so by proxy, um, just because he's my best friend, I've also grown up playing a shit ton of RTSs. I love Warcraft 2, love Warcraft 3, Starcraft 2. Uh, Age of Mythology is probably my favorite. I fucking love Command and Conquer, um, Age, uh, Company of Heroes, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm a big RTS guy. I've played a lot of them. I'm not good. I'm not good by any means, but I enjoy them. I, uh, I more prefer, like, the sim aspects, uh, so I don't mind when something goes full, full RTS when there is, like, tower defense and stuff like that, but I much prefer to, like, build up, not necessarily the competitive aspects of an RTS, like, but if they make a StarCraft 3, which I don't know that we'll ever see, if they, if they, like, other than going back and remastering these existing games like they did with Command & Conquer recently, uh, and Age of Empires as well, where do you move that genre? What's the next... Like, you can't simply just make another one of these. People are just fine to play what's currently existing and with the balance they're in, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's like Call of Duty, right? Like, how do you make a RTS feel so good that you get these people to ditch the game from 10 years ago? It's it's an interesting genre. Yeah, it, yeah, that's a good question when you put it like that. Uh, I mean, like, COD has... It's, it's a second wave of COD. Like, we have the Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare train... Uh, that has had its ups and downs, and then was kind of hitting a bottom out point before they they really turned it around with Modern Warfare uh, 2019. Yeah. So uh, interest is renewed, right? Uh, and things if like Medal of Honor and Battlefield just couldn't right and couldn't hang in there. There is yeah. there is a little bit of variation there in the sense that Blizzard's RTSs, especially StarCraft II in this case, are a lot more uh, fast paced, arcadey, MOBA e types. Whereas a game like Age of Mythology, you're really building up like a whole city before you really do a lot of stuff. It's it's a bit different in that regard. For sure. Uh, speaking of things from 10 years ago, Fallout New Vegas turned 10 years old, uh, I believe two days ago on the 19th of October. I remember picking that game up on launch day and I was very fortunate uh, playing on the 360 to not really encounter any glitches. Like I, I had a relatively... Occasionally you'd hit the loading screen after playing for four hours straight that just didn't load in. You'd just quit and, and come back in. Uh, but I had a pretty good launch experience with it. My buddy Mike, not so much. He was playing on PS3, and he had everything from, like, single frames uh, to quests, uh, you know, mess up and stuff like that. That game was a bit of a hot mess on PS3. Not that it's uh, some great exemplar of, of video games nowadays, but, uh, man, we've we've kind of set our piece on New Vegas and, and how great it is. But it's crazy to think 10 years ago already, that game. Yeah, go check out the New Vegas Complete episode on our Absolutely. website. Yeah, go do it. It's good. Make that a kick in the head. Yeah, it's a great fucking uh, game. That's all. That's all there is to fucking say. Unless you you have any new stories to say, we can get down to Pokemon here. Uh, just excited for the PS5, baby. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. yeah. You can get that that bug snacks. Sure. No, you can play your your demon souls. Yep. Um, that's gonna be a rough game to be. I mean, you're gonna be probably hot swapping between that and Spider Man. But Demon Souls as a launch game, where you're just like, all I want to do is sit here and play this. And that game is going to be Demon Souls is pretty... Uh, well, do, you, do you know what kind of build you're rolling? Uh, the same build I always do whenever I start a Souls game, which is a quality build, strength and dex. Um, same way I Soul played board. Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> same way I played Bloodborne, except Bloodborne I went a little bit blood tinge. Uh, yeah. 
Right on. Yeah. All right. Pokemon. Last week, we talked about Generation 3. Uh, we we add, talked about the removed and added features in that game, how it added a lot to uh, to the move pool, to uh, how you race Pokemon abilities, of course, but removed some of the exploration features of the game. Uh, and the, the day-night cycle was still there, for example, but the, the time, the clock, the seasons, uh, all that kind of crap, whatever it was, uh, was left out. So uh, we move on now. Uh, to to me opening my browser again into the Sinnoh region uh, for Gen Four, which which Reed, I believe you have a lot of affection for. Um, well, yeah, we went into this a bit last week, especially in regards to the physical special split, where now useless Pokemon are useful. Um, mm-hmm. Along with that, just I would say it it's really shaped what modern Pokemon are. It's added a shit ton of stapled moves, like I don't know, X Scissor, Focus Blast, Superpower, like. These big staple competitive moves now uh, that are and it, like really revitalized a lot of not just um, moves and Pokemon's usability, but also typing. How fucking Lee? How fucking useless was Bug Pokemon before Generation Four? Oh shit, dude! Like completely useless, especially when you consider they are the weakness of a couple types that everybody is is using and running rampant. Right, right? and so. their moves went like. Uh, went like from Fury Cutter, which is 15 damage, to Megahorn, which is 120, and there was no in between there. Hey, at least Fury Cutter gets better each subsequent turn. Yeah, that you uh, you hit it. But yeah, <laughs> but like Bug was such a shallow typing before Generation Four. There were a few families, and they're all weak as fuck. There was like two Bug moves in the whole game: Pin Missile, Fury yep. Cutter, and Megahorn. Uh, this game added a shit ton of bug types, gave them serious buffs, tons of moves, bug bite, uh, bug buzz, X scissor. Um, it really revitalized the whole type as general, uh, scissor now. Is I a- believe X scissor has been around since gen two, but go no, on. It I didn't to show you I, right fuck, no, it hasn't. Fuck. No, it hasn't. Gen four. I'm, I'm, hold on. Okay. I, I will going. fight you on this. Um, <laughs> And the big and the other type that I would say that really got a revitalization was the rock type. So uh, Rhyperior, for example, is a big uh, is a big Pokemon that make big waves due to that. Um, You're right. Yeah, rock's not nearly as a shitty type anymore. They're great against flying types. They got some new moves, Stone Edge, yeah. stuff like that. Really the, great. Uh, we we kind of talked about in Gen three how they started doing some interesting subtypes, and that was a thing that held back certain types in the earlier gens too. Was that a lot of rock types would also be slash ground or something like right. that? Uh, so that just that you know makes some of their weaknesses even more, uh, and and really makes them less viable overall. Yeah. Uh, but now with the the different subtypes and stuff, things could get get mixed up. Yeah. Uh, from a sales point of view, before we go any further, uh, the like diamond and pearl uh, outsold. Ruby and Sapphire by, by like, 2 million units or something like that. And then uh, outsold uh, Fire Red and Leaf Green, which did not do very well, by 6 million. And they also outsold the uh, their, uh, what would be their successors in Pokemon Black and White by 2 million. Uh, so in terms of sales, uh, Diamond and Pearl are still uh, some of the most successful Pokemon games of all time. Whether that's the hype of the DS and there finally being a core Pokemon game on it. Uh, as everybody was playing the GBA Pokemon games in the, the DS slot prior to this, uh, there was just a hype for Pokemon around this time. Well, that, like, there's and, something about these games that, yeah. And let's say the obvious thing, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum were very good games. Um, yeah. They were classic Pokemon adventures, a gym leader's Golden adventure, but it was really well done. And a lot like Gold, Silver, and Crystal, there was a lot of extra content for you to do at the end. 
Um, there's you can just tell there's an extra amount of love and care put into this title that you don't see in some of the future Pokemons, and it really shows. Yeah, uh, so they increase the times of day uh, from three times of day in Gen 2 in Gold and Silver to five time periods, uh, morning, day, afternoon, evening, and night. Uh, introduced several changes to battle mechanics in previous generations. Pokemon moves were classified as physical or special. We already talked about that. Yep. Uh, there, there was the po- Poketch, Pokeetch, the simulated smartwatch at the uh, the bottom screen there, where you'd have your big clock that lit up when you touched it, and a bunch of other dual screen gimmicks of the time. Of course, you could voice chat on the DS, uh, trade and battle online, uh, and this was the first console that could regularly attach to Wi-Fi, and I believe the GTS was introduced here. Am I not mistaken? Yeah, Global Trade Station uh, was a new feature that, uh, that was included here, and the Pokemon art director uh, said that that was one of his, his favorite things, that people now weren't uh, secluded to who they had around them to, to trade with, that they could trade. In many ways, this is what broke the collector's thing, where now it's just like, oh, I having both versions or having someone with the other version is no longer necessary when I can use the GTS oh, to easily get those Pokemon. Yeah, and especially when you can absolutely exploit the GTS since it is a global system where I could put in Eradicate for trade and request uh, a Mew, and guess what? When I wake up the next day, I'm probably going to have a fucking Mew waiting for me. <laughs> Some asshole traded you. So that, what happened there later is they, they uh, changed it so that Pokemon from different regions were tracked, I think. And uh, because we're from Canada anyways, I don't know if this was the same for people in the United States, but I would find constantly people from overseas, especially Japan, would, like, within hours be trading me anything I wanted for anything I wanted uh, for whatever reason there. Well, whether the, it main, was out of... the main reason, Lee, if I can go into a bit of a mechanic talk, would be the Matsudo. Please do, because I know there is a reason. Yeah, it would be the Matsudo <laughs> method of breeding. So if you breed a Pokemon from one region with the Pokemon from your region, for example, a, like a Japanese Ditto with a North American Raticate, you have an increased chance, however, it's still very large, but you still have an increased chance of having a shiny offspring. Yes. That's it. And that's, like, kind of more moot now, I think, but still applies, right? Yeah, but that's it. Um, so you're just really, you're searching through millions of players, or hundreds of thousands of players at least, for one person desperate enough for your North American piece of shit Pokemon to trade you anything that you want. <laughs> Uh, so the, uh, he, there's an assistant to the professor in this one, Professor Rowan, and they kind of fill in as one of your rivals. It's either Lucas, uh, or Dawn, depending on what gendered, uh, trainer you chose. Um, there, so shit, man, Tortwig, Chimchar, and Piplup. Some very strong starters coming out of this generation. Very iconic too. Yeah. I like Turtwig because he turns into a giant island turtle. Yeah, Torterra is easily the best design in my opinion. If we're talking about competitive viability, it's obviously Infernape, one of the best mixed attackers in the game, only overshadowed by basically Blaziken in regards to starters. Because Blaziken's mm-hmm. fucking broken. Um And then you got yourself Piplup, which turns to Empoleon, and Steel Water is one of those other really unique typings that Generation Four starter brought out. Yeah. And, I mean, he's, like, an armored penguin with, like, blade wings, which is, in and of itself, not not too shabby. Uh, our, our, we get the antagonistic group in this one, Team Galactic. Sure. <laughs> uh, there's the Mirage Pokemon, which is our tri- triplicate of legendaries here in Uxi, Azelf, and Mesprit, uh, which are the, like, legendary babies. But then he, <laughs> that you encounter right. But then the you also have Dialga, Palkia, and Gartania. Yes. So this is really the first game that started. The how about every Pokemon game has like eight legendaries? Yeah, 
they they went out of control here. Also, the the power level of these legendaries that we have Pokemon that are controlling time and space, and then uh, Giratina that's also introduced and is the legendary Pokemon of the third game in Platinum, which changes uh, a lot of the the plot points, just like Crystal did before it. Um, yeah, man. Like, but but in terms of remembering this, in terms of remembering who the Pokemon League champion is, do you remember it off the top of Cynthia. your head? Cynthia. Well, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. It's Cynthia, the chick in the the black outfit. No, I would. Uh, I remember Cynthia a lot. She has a very distinct design, really cool typing. Um, she she was like among the last of the Pokemon champions that isn't constantly up in your shit in the story. She's definitely mm-hmm. there more than a Steven or especially a Lance, but not nearly as bad as some of the later games in regards to look at this fucking champion. Look at him. Look at him. Uh, this this game had two of the weakest tie-ins in terms of uh, Pokemon Battle Revolution and Pokemon Ranch. Two Pokemon that barely uh, deserve a mention on our, our side game uh, episode. But Pokemon Ranch ba- basically filled in as your Pokemon box at the time. And then Pokemon Battle Revolution was just battling. That's fucking it. If you didn't own um, one of the Nintendo DS games to wirelessly connect and dump your Pokemon in here. They didn't even have the rental Pokemon system that the Pokemon Stadium games had. <laughs> you were given like a scrub team and it was like, hey, see what you can fucking do with these six Pokemon to defeat every trainer in this game. And you know, when you're battling face to face, this was before, of course, 3D graphics. Uh, this was on the Wii. So it's like, hey, it's flashy. You can design a, a trainer in this game. But for a full price product compared to Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Battle Revolution fucking sucked right uh so it's good that the, the battling within gen 4 was was kind of fine uh gen, and ds was a buddy gen 4 and i would say battling was more than fine it really defined uh everything that was going forward with pokemon in regards to how important stat changes are and all these new moves stealth rocks fucking trick room and <laughs> fucking stealth rocks a trick Man. room and all of this crazy shit but you, yeah we can shit on those spinoff games as much as we want but it did create the two actual best Pokemon games after, which was Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I mean, sure. Are, are they better than the the original classics? Yes. yes, in that you have the abilities and all the uh, basically it's, the pinnacle. It's a better of game. All the things they've added to Pokemon. What did what like what did Heart Gold and Soul Silver do worse than original Gold and Silver did? Oh, nothing. They're the definitive versions of it. But I'll I'll probably still go back and play the the, the classics before those at this point in time. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, cause let's let's look at it this way. We're now in generation what seven, eight, not eight. We're in eight, eight. right now. Uh, what has been added to Pokemon since Gen Four, other than Fairy type, in terms of a major impact on the competitive scene? Things have only been taken away, correct? Yeah. Well, Mega Evolution was added in for a couple generations, um, and now they're doing Dynamaxing, and then the Z moves in between those. Except Z moves also involved Mega Evolutions. Um, yeah, I would, like, if we're talking about permanent changes, yeah, fairy type would be the big one. Um, yeah, it's 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 tricky. I, I miss Mega Evolutions personally. I don't like Dynamaxing, um, especially competitively. If I had the choice between Mega Evolutions and Dynamaxing, it's Mega Evolutions, absolutely. Yeah, it made a lot of previously useless Pokemon suddenly pretty good. Um, I, so this ties into 
Sorry to interrupt you, this ties into something directly we talked about last episode with legendaries and their appeal in that you would find a random Pokemon on the side of the road, the potential in that Pokemon and what they can do way more interesting than the legendary that everybody gets forced down their throat yes, when they play the game. absolutely. And but the cool thing about... But apparently I'm very yeah, fucking the, alone on that because every time I go online, everybody's using the legendaries. So, you know. Yeah, well, they want to win. <laughs> <laughs> um... But, like I, like, I agree with you. Like, back in the day, of course, you'd roll the legendaries because there was an air of mystery to them. Yeah. And Mega Evolutions was really that for the for the Joe six-pack Pokemon and that, hey, it's Pinsir. Everybody loves Pinsir. He looks cool. Not really viable and competitive. But now we have Mega Pinsir. And, and not everybody has Mega Pinsir. You have to find the, the material to equip on him to do it. You have to optimize his stats uh, to get the most out of it. But now... But now you've got this this like rare Yu-Gi-Oh card in your in your repertoire that you can bust out, and it's not a legendary Pokemon that everybody has forces on them. It's something you've gone out of your way to obtain, and I liked Mega Evolutions for that. Dynamaxing doesn't really count. It's like the easy version of that, where like the Pokemon inherently can or can't, and it and every Pokemon can do it. So who cares? Right. right. Like yeah, I much prefer Mega Evolution for many points. Um, I like the design changes. If we're even going to be as vain as that. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame that Pokemon hasn't found a way to change the game without changing nothing, if that makes sense. Like, the closest they've come is adding in Steel, Dark, and Fairy as types. Um, yeah. Because you could argue that both Dynamax and Mega Evolution are two very overpowered things that completely change the metagame, especially Mega Evolution. Jesus Christ, Kangaskhan? With its two-hit ability as Mega Kegascon, was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Isn't its Mega Form the baby jumps out of the pocket? Yeah, and, and then that's they it. can use every move twice in a row. So they'll hit you a two. Yeah, yeah. They'll hit you a two close combats. Fuck you, uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Uh, so like, yeah, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have Mega Evolutions, nor would I have Dynamaxing. Um, and I'd find some different way to change the game. How do you do that, mm-hmm. though, for a series that's been going for so long? How, how do you change what, one thing without completely changing how the entire fucking game is played? You know what I mean? I mean, they've done it multiple times. <laughs> like, think about the special split. Think about the attack and, uh, and, and special split for moves. Think about adding Fairy in so late in the game and have it be right. as an adversary but to so many, like, commonly used Yeah, that's what I'm types. saying. Like, aside yeah. from adding another type, there's nothing left to do with moves except for adding in more moves. Um, yeah, aside- balancing and adding everything back to the game is now the thing people are most requesting, right? Yeah, it's, I wouldn't even say balance, it's, um, yeah, like, nobody was, nobody seemed particularly thrilled about Dynamaxing, um. No, it's dumb as hell. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say they should focus more on making an absolutely solid story main series game as opposed to trying to find a new gimmick. I don't, it's it's hard to mm-hmm. say, more people, like, we all want different things from Pokemon. I know you would prefer vastly different experience from the typical pokemon where i have expressed in the past that i like the old pokemon formula that we saw in gen one through six and i and i would prefer just a really polished version of that so there's different things really what yeah you want the everyman's pokemon you you don't want necessarily the pokemon mmo uh but that's that's what you want is the games as a service pokemon where there are quests to do and there are storylines to follow you are not the chosen one you are a pokemon trainer mixed in with hundreds of other pokemon trainers trying to make a name for yourself yeah um at the, you know at the end of the day though I'm a very I'm a very easy person to keep happy in pokemon if I have 
access to the I mean, com- if you're still playing Sword now, yeah, then if I have access got you, to the competitive section, I'm going to play it. Um, yeah, I can't really talk about what... Like, there's not much I can say in regards to what I want from Pokemon because I got what I want from Pokemon. I got the, the competitive aspect. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's weird, man. It's, like, it's that extra extra je ne sais quoi. It's that what, what made the games... Why haven't I finished Pokemon Sword? And, and the, the answer there is the characters are bland and it feels like a job to actually get through the story mode of this game right. versus and, other Pokemon games. And my aspect is I have to get through the main story of the game to get to the part that I want to play. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Uh, so we're going to wrap up very shortly here, but we can dip our toes into the fifth generation, which as of recording this is also 10 years old, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Fifth generation of Pokemon began on September 18th, 2010 with the release of Pokemon Black and White in Japan. They uh, were then released in North America, Europe, and Australia in March 2011. This was back when Japan still got a huge lead on us in terms of having the game. This is no longer the case. Um, They were released on the Nintendo DS. Uh, The thing here with the fifth generation was it was happening during the handoff to 3DS shortly afterwards. Uh, especially with Pokemon Black uh, Black and White 2. And, of course, the install base of the DS was so huge that they wanted to stick around on that console as long as possible. But it's a Pokemon game. It's not that graphically demanding, of course, because you can use sprites, you can use 2D animation. Uh, but this game, even more so than in 4th uh, Gen, tried to lean into some 3D stuff, tried to do some stuff with the environments and the map uh, to, to give it that PS1 feel, <laughs> where there's, like... 3D environments, but your little sprites running across it and stuff like that. Uh, the Unova region is where this takes place, and it was heavily uh, inspired by the United States. You have a giant city in it that's that's a lot like New York, and by by all accounts, this is the Pokemon take on America in Pokemon Black and White. Uh, we've mentioned it many times before, but the Pokédex in Pokémon Black and White 2 uh, was it consisted of entirely new Pokémon for the story mode. You could not transfer in Pokémon from previous versions until you beat... Uh, the Elite Four, I think it even was. Uh, so we, we were dealing with 156 new Pokemon, uh, which was my selling feature on this game, is that I'm going into a game with po- no Pokemon I recognize, and I thought that was really, really neat. Yeah, I played Black and White uh, once. I don't even think I've beat it, because this is like this is way after um, I got into competitive. It's really hard going back and playing just a regular Pokemon game now. Um uh, <laughs> But I, to, to start like one of the old main series ones, it's it seems a bit yeah <laughs> right. Um, it's I don't want to say a bit redundant, but like I I have found myself enjoying more competitive rather than just going through the regular story and absolutely wasting NPC trainers. Um, mm. Black and white was surprisingly difficult though. I found as far as just the main story goes, uh, whichever like like I would agree. I think some of that comes with. Uh, they, they made the trainers a little more challenging and the type matchups you were kind of guessing, like the original games. Right. And it's, for my part, how do you make a Pokemon game feel new for people who've been playing these games for five generations and are losers like us talking about them at such lengths? And this was the closest they've ever come to it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it was a good experience. Uh, all new Pokemon was great. Um, it's hard for me to really comment on it since I didn't play it at the time. I played it like a year mm. ago. Uh, sprites were fully animated, camera changes position at specific uh, highlight parts of the battle. In addition, uh, in addition to the continuing night and day cycle introduced in Gold and Silver, Black and White introduced a seasonal cycle with the seasons advancing every month rather than being linked to the calendar. Outside areas appear differently depending on the season. Uh, there were also Pokemon such as Deerling and Saw- Sawsbuck 
Remember Saw's Buck? Oh, I remember Fuck, Saw's he Buck. Existed. Uh, he's no Stantler. Uh, changed physical appearance uh, to match the seasons. They also introduced triple battles and rotation battles. Triple battles they forced on you a little bit during the story. Rotation battles came up fucking seldomly as hell. They're, they're neat. It's a cool idea. Uh, but they're not... It's, it's goofy. Like, it doesn't... I don't know. Uh, there was also the fucking double battles against wild Pokemon, which made those a little frustrating, uh, in some cases. Uh, yeah, there was Pokemon musicals, which took the place of Pokemon contests. Uh, shit. There was, uh, there was a number of things going on there. The main difference was the, the GTS, the interconnectivity, the online stuff they added in this game with the Sea Gear, I believe it was called. Yeah, the Sea Gear, uh, which they kept doing IR stuff too. There was the Pokemon Dream World thing with the Entranet link or whatever. Yeah. All kinds of weird stuff that I don't know I, I really engaged yeah, the, with. Yeah, the Dream um, World stuff was actually really big because it introduced a lot of hidden abilities for Pokemon that didn't previously have them. Um mm-hmm. So, like, when Sculpey was first re- released, he only had Swarm, which isn't necessarily the worst ability, especially for a bug type. Um, but when he got his Dream World ability dropped, which is Speed Burst, all of a sudden he goes into OU tier, which is ridiculous. So Dream World, can't really understate how fucking huge that was. Uh, there was also the, like, game... This is when they started doing the Game Link thing, where, like, you could upload your progress in a way and it would be mentioned in someone else's game i think that was this one uh where you could be looking on a tv and it'd be like oh motherfucking reed caught a magic carp good for him uh which they really elaborated on in in uh ultra sun moon and 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 stuff like that so we'll uh you know we'll wrap it up there for today we'll talk about the sequel to pokemon black and white 2 or pokemon black and white in pokemon black and white 2 which was really like the first time we were just like yeah there's nothing there's nothing here new. Uh, this is a enhanced version that has... They mixed some Pokemon up for the hardcores. And uh, w- was really after Gen 4. I'm like, okay, we're not doing just a, a single standalone special edition anymore. We're, we're just kind of cashing it in on an ultimate version of this game. So be it. And that continued into the uh, subsequent gens as well. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I like those black and white Pokemon. I thought they added... Uh, I thought just dealing with them in this in this new region that didn't have Rattatas or Pidgeys or anything recognizable was really fucking cool. Yeah, uh, it'll be a lot easier for me to talk about my experience coming back to Pokemon once you get to X and Y because that was the first official Pokemon game I purchased since Crystal at the time. So that'll be fucking Oh, wild. wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, I was along for the ride this whole time. I owned at least one version and the special edition of every gen as they came out and played them. And uh, d- didn't finish uh, not many, very many of them. Like, I think Black and White 2 might have been the first game that I just didn't see through to the end. Because uh, I'm like, I fucking played this already. This is lame as hell. Uh, anyway, uh, you can hit us up at Iceberg is us on Twitter. Lee at TitsIceberg.com is my email address. For your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed, please leave a question or topic anywhere you see this posted if you want us to perhaps talk about it on the show. Uh, Sultans of Slam was late this week. It came out yesterday. AEW airs tonight. Our boys, the Butcher and the Blade, have a really big match. So please cheer them on. <laughs> they, they fucking need it. Thanks for signing up. We'll talk to you again next week.